Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible. This is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. Okay, hi Courtney, how are you? I'm great, hi Erica, good afternoon, so nice to see you. You too. So everyone, I want to introduce you. This is Courtney Pladson, and I'll tell you her job and then we'll back up and we'll, you know, cover the whole gamut. But she is serving currently as a director of clinical and quality improvement at the National Health Care for the Homeless Council. And I thought this is so cool. What a cool job serving a patient population that maybe nurses don't think about, you know, and they're everyday lives and they certainly aren't taught about it in nursing school. And so I'm like, well, what a great opportunity. So Courtney, I start out every interview this way. Tell us where you're from. I was born and raised in Massachusetts. I spent about 10 years in DC and now I live in Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Okay. How's the weather? (laughs) Today it's beautiful. You caught us on a good day. It's the, we're in the last grips of winter. But summer is coming, and I can't wait. Just this is a side note. What are what is what are the summer months for Maine? June through September is just the really most beautiful time of year. And if you want to come when it's not crazy tourist busy, come in September. It's just a gem. Yeah, I took. I think I was up there. Was it September, October? It was cold, but it wasn't super snowy yet. I was with my dad, my aunt, my uncle, and we took a car ride. Did we go up to Bangor, Maine? And we went and saw the lighthouses and the rocky beaches. And it was just beautiful. It's like nowhere we had seen before. So it's like a little hidden gem up there, Courtney. It is. I I always say Maine is just like a little slice of heaven, especially in the summer. It's the best. Yeah. So tell us, how did you get interested in nursing? Everyone has their own story. Sometimes people stumbled upon it. Sometimes people come from a whole line of nurses. What is your story? So growing up at my sixth grade graduation, I wrote that I was going to be the first woman president of the United States. So (laughs) I I came out with a bang and uh, put my proclamation out there. But as I grew up and went through high school, I realized politics, it's really hard to make a difference right away. I really wanted to impact people and I wanted to um, see the, the, my hard work make a difference. Uh, I really right. wanted to work with people. And I started thinking more about medicine, of, of that can be a route that I can really work with people and make an impact right away. And I personally grew up um, experiencing a lot of poverty. And so for me, going to college, I was really dedicated student because I saw that as a pathway of getting out of poverty. And I felt like I couldn't just uh, go and get a communication degree or even do pre-med. I needed to come out of college with a skill set and a job. And I started off at Boston College, both pre-med and nursing, and then loved my nursing classes. I loved my colleagues in nursing. It wasn't cutthroat. It wasn't competitive. It was supportive. It was a really beautiful family environment. And I said, these are my people and this is where I'm meant to be. And I really, I had just the best experience. And they're still, those friends I made in nursing school are still my best friends today. Do you, did you ever work with Kate Hester? 
I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. She said something, I think she was episode three, you know, she's in Germany now, but she said something very similar. Um, it was nursing, but in the ER, she said specifically what you just said. She said, I found my people. And yep. so that's so important when you're working. Um, if you have colleagues or, you know, friends in nursing school, that can really, I don't know what the, you know, really support your experience. And so I'm glad you had that. So, okay. So you're nursing and pre-med, you're really um, connected with your nursing. So you finished with a nursing degree, I'm assuming. Yes, I did. Got my BSN from Boston College. Okay. And then where did you start your nursing career? What floor? I started off in the emergency department. And for all of my colleagues out there that started at Washington Hospital Center, I got to start my nursing career in the wild, wild west. A wild urban ER that was just off the chain. And it was the best experience because I learned so much. The learning curve was so steep. I started in their new graduate program, uh, but I absolutely fell in love with emergency room nursing there. Yes. Everyone that I have spoken to. So a couple of weeks ago, I had one of my best friends on. She's currently in, uh, she's a resource triage coordinator in organ donation, but she started at Washington Hospital Center, not in the ER, but she eventually did go up to 4G, which is one of their ICUs. And it was the same sentiment. It was so hard, but you've never learned more in your life than you did in those years there. And um, overall, my leadership, I had a great experience and I think she did too. And we loved our colleagues. So <laughs> this may not be applicable, but I used to be in the Marines a long time ago. And one of the guys had, uh, he was a recon Marine. So it's a little different um, scenario, but he had this tattoo that said, pain breeds loyalty. <laughs> so it's <laughs> 100%. 100% accurate. You can't <laughs> tell me the nurses don't understand that. <laughs> anyone who's worked at Washington Hospital Center has that, should get that tattoo. Uh, yes. it's a honor, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so you were in the ER at Washington Hospital Center. How long were you there? I was there a total of three years, and then I went to Georgetown ER because that's when I started my graduate degree. But okay. one of the things I want to say about working in the emergency department that's so fascinating as I've now, we're going to cover my journey, but I've moved up in health systems. But ER is a reflection of all of the holes in our safety net. It is mm -hmm. a catch-all. It's one of the very few places in healthcare and in our communities that doesn't say no to anyone. And so anytime we, there's an access issue when people can't have, uh, don't have health insurance, they can't get in to see a specialist, we don't have beds for mental health or detox or Whatever the case may be, the ER becomes the place. And yeah. it really opened my eyes to all of the different system challenges. And it really led me to want to pursue moving further upstream. I, my favorite patients in the ER were the most socially and medically complex. Mm. Um, I loved the day that I was having ICU patients back to back or codes back to back. But then also when I was in triage, people would get so frustrated because I would sit, would sit with the patients and then try to navigate whatever their challenge was. If they were there because they had an issue getting their prescriptions or they didn't know how to access primary care, I would take the 20 extra minutes to try to help them navigate the system. And I realized I love emergency medicine and that's not, I didn't want to meet people on the worst day of their life anymore. Right. I wanted to I wanted to develop relationships with people and really work further upstream in primary care. So that's what really motivated me to want to 
go to graduate school and become a nurse practitioner. So I continued to work part-time while I worked in the emergency department. Okay. And then for nurse practitioner, was it, uh, what is your specialty in nurse practitioner? Family medicine. Family medicine. Okay. Cause I know that sometimes, um, ER nurses, you know, they, they'll go on to become nurse practitioners and you have a couple of tracks. You can do family medicine or you can do emergency medicine or, and I know a lot of nurses struggle with which to pick. And it seems like you had a pretty solid goal. You knew what you wanted to do. So that's good. So, okay. So you get your nurse practitioner. Did you work as a nurse practitioner for a time? Yes. And I still do. Oh. Um, I was also lucky enough, um, when I went to graduate school at Georgetown, they had a specific program where I could do all of my rotations, my clinical rotations in underserved communities. Um, so all of my rotations were in federally qualified health centers. I got to work in HIV clinics and homeless shelters and do street medicine. Uh, and I loved it. And I really felt like I got great training to work with folks that are both medically and socially complex. And not everyone gets that in NP school. And so I felt I, I felt leaving graduate, my graduate training really well prepared to go into this field and this specialty. And part of the reason why I did family medicine was the same reason why I loved emergency medicine. I loved caring for people across the entire lifespan. I loved, there wasn't one age bracket that I um, was really particularly drawn to. I really loved life across the lifespan. And I loved the spectrum of wellness to illness. And so for me, family medicine was really the, the best fit. The wonderful thing is that in my last semester, I my rotation was at Unity Healthcare in DC. Okay. And I was so lucky because I got to work with a nurse practitioner who was in the float pool. And Unity is a very large federally qualified health center. And for those who aren't familiar with federally qualified health centers, they really are our nation's um, health safety net. Mm. Patients can get uh, primary care and wraparound services, like see social workers and get behavioral health care on a sliding scale fee, regardless of someone's ability to pay. So you can go there if you have insurance and go there if you don't have insurance. And so I was working with a population I wanted to work with, and I got to be with this nurse practitioner that was at all these different sites. So I got to see and understand what it's like to be at a school-based health center and work with adolescents, work at a community health center and work with families do street medicine and, and go out to encampments and do street outreach. Uh, and I got to see all these different aspects of this FQHC and in particular their healthcare for the homeless model. And I fell in love. I was like, this is the place for me. I can do <laughs> a little bit of everything. I can work in a community health center and really hone my family medicine practice and care for multi-generational families. And I can do the healthcare for the homeless outreach that I really loved. I really found that I love to do street outreach and go see patients and shelters and at soup kitchens and um, be outside of the walls of a hospital or a clinic. And so yeah. I was really lucky where I got to train there. And then I got to start there as a new nurse practitioner. Wow. So are you still working for that organization? No, I worked for Unity for six years, but I still work at FQHC. So after I moved from DC to Maine, I now work here in, in Greater Portland Health, where I still work in the healthcare for the homeless clinic one day a week. Okay. And now, over my time at Unity, I was there for six years and absolutely loved it. And I had so many amazing opportunities to grow, not only as a provider, but really as a leader. I got to do different program development, had opportunities to do quality improvement, and really build my skill set in lots of different areas. 
But while I was at Unity, one of the things that I started to realize as I was moving further upstream mm-hmm. and really trying to care for patients and communities is I can be an amazing clinician. I can have the best care plan in the world. I can be up to date on like the best treatment. I could have like my next patient could be a diabetic patient that I'm preparing. I know exactly what I'm going to do, my plan, the next move. But if that patient comes in that room and is sobbing and saying they're about to be evicted, my diabetes visit goes out the window. And every patient comes in with a whole story. They're not just a diagnosis. And so over time, I started to realize social determinants of health make such a difference. And I really wanted to understand that better, understand that a lot of my patients have difficulty accessing healthy foods. And if you don't have transportation, that makes you late to your appointments often. And if you're a senior without social support, being lonely is a huge indicator for poor health outcomes and all these different aspects of these social indicators of our health and well-being. really, it started to make me really interested in like, what is our role as clinicians, as nurses, and in healthcare? If we really want people to be healthy, medicine alone isn't going to do it. So how do we really care for the whole person? And that is really what motivated me to want to get my doctorate and do research and think about this deeper. Yeah. So what is your doctorate in? I have a doctorate of nursing practice um, for nurses. There are two terminal degrees, either a PhD or a DNP. Okay. And I have a DNP, and it's for nurses who want to remain in clinical practice and really focus on um, implementation research. How do we improve practice now? How do we do quality improvement? How do we bring that leadership skill to clinical practice and not only work in academia? So for me, the DNP was a good route. Okay, so that are you? Do you have a couple of research projects going on now that you can tell us about? Sure. So this is what's interesting. So. I'm not a researcher, but part of my work now is to to be a part of groups that publish research. So that's one aspect of my job. Okay. So I have an article coming out in April uh, in JAMA that we're really, really excited about. And it's a study that is a modeling study that looks at the health implications of encampment suites. So what we're seeing across the country is a surge of unsheltered homelessness And many cities and jurisdictions will say, all right, everyone in this block needs to go. Everyone needs to move. And the city will literally just sweep an entire block, throw everyone's possessions away. And those people are not housed. They're not connected to resources. They're simply told, you need to move. You need to leave. We don't care where you go, but you can't stay here. And what we know in the field, what we've seen is this causes huge disruptions to people's lives. People's medications get thrown away. Their IDs get tossed and lost. You know, they have all of their life's possessions in those tents and those people throw out those things. Hmm. And if it was difficult to be homeless, then it's so much more difficult to get out of that situation when you've lost all of your IDs and paperwork. And so we, we knew anecdotally that this is problematic and we wanted to influence policy in child cities and states. You should not be doing this practice. People need to be connected to housing first or connected to services or resources but we didn't have any evidence to support that. And so what this group of researchers across the country did was took a modeling study to project rates of overdose, disconnection from services. Um, So a lot of outreach teams know where our patients are sleeping, but when they're displaced, Mm 
where they're moved along, it it disconnects that relationship. And so they get disconnected from vital medications, psychiatric meds, chronic illness medications, and medications for substance use disorders like um, buprenorphine or, or methadone for opiate use disorder. So we see a huge surge in overdose, skin and soft tissue infections, endocarditis, spinal abscess, and on and on and on, lots of poor health outcomes. And now we have a study to show that. And so our hope is by you know publishing this in JAMA, we can now take that evidence to influence and advocate for policy change. So that for me is really where my research is focused on. How do we show what we already know to be true in the field, our wisdom as clinicians and nurses out there doing the work, we know anecdotally, but so we need the evidence to push policy forward. Yes. I love that because there's so many things where even for the bedside nurse, you know, if they're having issues, just their common sense, you're like, this isn't working. This, you know, this is, there's something wrong here. And you can go to your manager or you can go to, you know, your powers be in your position. They're like, okay, well, I believe you, but I need more in order to change it. And so what you're saying is this entire article was aimed at taking something that clinicians saw all the time and let's put a framework on it. Let's study it and let's get it published. And this will move this forward. I think that's so cool. So you said it's coming out April April and JAMA. I'm going to write it down, Courtney. I want to read this thing. Great. And you can share it with everybody. I certainly will. Okay. So you're an NP, you found your population, you found what you love to do. How did that lead you to your current role? How did you find it? Tell us the story. So when I was at Unity and I was getting my doctorate, I was working and and getting my doctorate, I was having more opportunities for leadership and didn't feel like I had all the tools in my toolbox yet. And so that was really another driver for me wanting to get my DNP. Because in the DNP program, I had classes on you know, leadership and quality improvement and healthcare economics and research. And I felt like I got to add a lot more non-clinical tools to my toolbox. So after I finished my doctorate, I moved to Portland, Maine, and I was working in my healthcare for the homeless clinic four days a week. And I was doing some program development work uh, in our community. And I realized I'm moving to the whitest state in the country with only 1.3 million people. It's really, it's a rural state. And I felt like It was a great move for my family, but probably not a great move professionally, (laughs) but I decided to apply to the Robert Rich Johnson Culture of Health Leaders Program. It's a fellowship, a three-year fellowship that really focuses on health equity. And I, lucky enough, I got in and it's a fellowship that was the first learning opportunity for me that was outside the field of nursing, all my degrees. Uh, included from my bachelor's to my doctorate was all in nursing. And the culture of health leaders program takes leaders to think about healthcare much more broadly. There's architects, there's community organizers, people doing food access work, lawyers, all different kinds of folks thinking about really how do we build systems and communities that help people be their healthiest selves. And it's the most diverse group of humans I was ever in a room with geographically, age, race, gender, like just really different ways of thinking and looking at problems. And it helped me grow so much. I really loved that opportunity. And being part of a national fellowship like that really helped open up my doors for my career. 
really yeah. helped connect me to so many other leaders across the country in my fellowship, but then also that were uh, speakers or that people in the fellowship knew. And so that really, for anyone thinking of how to make next steps in your career, or if you really want to move up health systems and think on the national level, consider doing a fellowship. A fellowship really helps open doors. Yeah. During that fellowship, um, the pandemic happened and I've been working on my FQHC. I'm doing this fellowship, doing really focused on system work, but within my own community here in Portland and the national healthcare for the homeless council who the council, the work that they do is on the national level, supporting the 1400 FQHCs across the country of the 1400 health centers across the country, 330 of them receive specific healthcare for the homeless grant funding. So they receive funding from the federal government to provide healthcare to this special population. So the council works to do training and education and put out clinical guidelines and build relationships and sponsor conferences where people can come together to connect around this work. And during the pandemic, they did not have a clinical director. Previously, they often relied on subject matter experts that they hired. Mm. But as we all know, every clinician across the country was stretched so thin during that time that they were having a really hard time engaging SMEs. And so as an organization, they said, we have to hire a medical director. Yeah. And when I saw that position come available, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this was written for me. This literally everything this is for me yes <laughs> yes it was and I felt not only did I like read it and knew it was mine every like every bullet point was a skill set I had and I felt like this was mostly probably for a physician but I had yeah. all these skills that were exactly what they were looking for and so I applied and I got this job I got my dream job wow that's so awesome and so what year you said 20 or during the pandemic. When was that? 2020. 2020. Okay. Yep. All right. So this is a new position, right? Uh, you know, that they made because they saw a need. Yep. So how's it been going? I mean, three years in, it's it's amazing. I have a team that I lead of six people. So I've grown a team that was non-existent before I got there. And we have done amazing work. It has been such an honor. And the work at the count, the group of people you can imagine are some of the most amazing, kind, thoughtful humans you get to work with. Brilliant. And we get to develop deep relationships with people that do this work all across the country. And I get to be a part of that. And it's such an honor, really, to think of all the different nurses or physicians or social workers or peers or community health workers doing this work in every, almost every city and many counties across this country and try to support them. And so I do a lot of different things in that role. I, I work on things like adapted clinical guidelines where we might have guidelines for treating diabetes, but treating diabetes in a homeless population uh, right. is really different. And so I work on trying to create guidelines that are really relevant to this population and to the clinicians serving them. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of training and pre present on a lot of webinars. I do a lot of work across the federal government. So at the intersection of, of homelessness and health are a lot of different government entities. Um, and on the federal level, that's HUD and HRSA and CDC and the VA. 
And so as my, in my role as the clinical director, I work with a lot of the other federal or, uh, agencies to make sure our efforts are coordinated for the ground. Wow. And so there's a, and then I do a lot of quality improvement. How do we help provide really high quality care to people, regardless of their housing status and regardless of where they're actually sleeping, we have to think much more broad about how we can provide care to people in encampments, on the street, in shelters, when we know so many of them have a lot of barriers to coming into health systems. So really, how do we decrease barriers to access to care and provide care on site where people are? So thinking really creatively about provision of services in, in lots of different places. Wow. So what would you say to any nurses out there listening who are like, you know what, I'm pretty passionate about this population too. I just don't know where to go or what to do. What advice would you give him or her? So this is what's really amazing. So I still work clinically one day a week and I work at the council four days a week. There across all levels of nursing education, there are amazing roles and opportunities for nurses in healthcare for the homeless clinics. Okay. In this model of care, there's actually a lot of nurse led care. And so we have nurses in my clinic that are leading our uh, substance use treatment programs. So they are the main point person with communicating with the patients around um, their opiate use around using fentanyl or heroin. They do the education, the harm reduction training. They, uh, you know, med- medically support them and, and manage their medication, make sure they have it all the time. And they might see these patients five days a week, <laughs> weekly. They see them often, but there are lots of different nurse-led models in HCH programs like HIV nursing, hepatitis nursing, um, nurse-led models of care for uh, contraception and tracking of contraception for this population. And so there's really amazing work being done and led by nurses. Street medicine teams, um, Alameda County and California, the Healthcare for the Homeless program there, their county is broken into 16 different sections. And there's one nurse that leads their medical outreach team, their street medicine team for each of those um, different areas. So it's like being given a specific population to care for. And that nurse does all the care coordination. They connect them to psychiatry or medical, you know, a primary care provider, but they help do all their education, medication management, wound care. There's so many aspects of care that nurses can do in this work from an RN to APRN. We have a lot of nurse practitioners who are medical directors in these programs um, in hospital systems. Physicians are often the medical directors, but in FQHCs, there's a lot of opportunities for growth and leadership for nurse practitioners. Okay. We see NPs go on to be HIV or hep C specialists, addiction specialists. So there's a lot of different opportunities for growth or specialization within this population. So if you're interested, check out your local healthcare for the homeless program. They're really doing wonderful work. And it's for nurses that are really badass, like that are want to just get out there, like bring, put on a backpack and go into an encampment and go build relationships with people. But it's really yes. an opportunity to take out ego. It's not about me. It's about, we bring medicine to where people are. We're on their turf. They're not on ours. Often you wear really casual clothes and it's about how can I best support you today? What are your goals? Rather than here's what I need from you, or this is my priority for you. It's a really different shift in mindset. And so for a lot of nurses that come from the hospital, it can be a really healing experience of like, that didn't feel good to me all the time. And now there's a lot of 
we really promote the right to self-determination for our patients. And that's a, it can be a really beautiful relationship that you develop with these patients. I think that's so cool because I worked in the ER as well, and you obviously did as well. And you see these patients where they come to you, they're homeless, they have few resources, and you patch them up and send them back out because that's the kind of the function of the ER. They, they don't really have the time or capacity to do more than that. And now you've taken that to, okay, I am pa- passionate about this population. Let's hit the streets. We're going to go meet them where they are and see if one, we can help them. Helping them will keep them out of the ER. And then, you know, it's like a win, win, win for everyone. It sounds like. <laughs> yes. And you're part of a multidisciplinary team. Like you as a nurse can really hone in on your nursing skills, which is so invaluable in these settings. And then you can work with your social work colleagues to say this person really needs uh, to get signed up for Medicaid, or can you work on housing with them or work with your peer support to provide that additional level of support for someone who's really struggling with substance use. It's not all on you. You can care for the whole person and think holistically and then bring in these other team members to help do that work well. And I feel like in the ER, like you're saying, you would patch someone up, but then you'd feel awful thinking about that person. You're like, I just sent a 70 year old back to the street. This feels terrible. So now you can build a relationship with that person and really work to address a lot of those social challenges that they're experiencing or barriers. And some of them are actually modifiable. We can fix this stuff. Right. Um, and then the other beautiful part is you can continue to support them once they're housed. Once We have a lot of patients that work with our team. We work on getting them housing, though all across the country, we're all facing a housing crisis. And I don't want to undermine how challenging accessing housing is right now. Yeah. But when we have patients that are placed in housing first or they get connected to permanent supportive housing, I get to still be their primary care provider and still build on those relationships, which is wonderful. It's not like a one time people think like homeless medicine is like one and done. No, I've, I've been at my current clinic for five years. I see some of the same people every single Monday. It it, it is a longitudinal relationship. Yeah. I prefer it not be a one and done because that one and done is just like an ER visit. That's not helping them. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So say again, if nurses are interested in this sort of work, you said to Google something. Actually, why don't you go to our website at the council? So okay. you can go to the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. So it's nhchc.org. And okay. you can look up our directory. You can look up your state and see where your local healthcare for the homeless clinic is and see if they have jobs there. That's one great way. If The other thing I want to highlight, regardless of what type of specialty uh, you work in, you will come across people experiencing homelessness, right? Whether you're in PEDS, whether you're inpatient, outpatient, you will care for people who have housing instability or who are homeless. And so at the council, we have a ton of trainings. We do a lot of webinars. Um, So check out our resources. There's lots of different ways to get creative about how we care for this population. And I just urge you to think of if you're going to discharge someone from your hospital or your program, what what are actually the resources that they have when they leave that clinic or hospital? right? Like what is the practical implication of that care plan that you're directing them towards? So how do we just shift our mindset a little bit? How do we say, where are they going to store that med that has to go in a refrigerator? We're saying they have to take this with food, but they only have a food truck once a day. Like how do we actually come up with care plans that are realistic for the patient population? It takes a few extra minutes of problem solving, 
but it makes a huge difference with, for a patient to actually implement a care plan. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said uh, the term problem solving because I've had multiple nurses on this show now. And one thing that nurses flourish at is problem solving because inevitably a problem comes up. No one knows how to fix it. Who do they look to? The nurse. And they say, you know, I just, I just need you to fix it. I just need you to fix it. And what do nurses do? They assess, they fix, they reassess, they fix again, they reassess. It's, it's like the perfect, we have the perfect degree and job, Courtney. That's just how I feel about it. Totally agree. Yeah. So any parting advice just in general for our nursing listening audience? One of the things that I would really love to see all nurses do is to really harness our power for advocacy and policy change. Yeah. Regardless of your specialty, regardless of your setting, you have expertise to bring to the table and share. One of the pieces that can be done relatively easily is for you to testify for bills. You can do that often remotely from home on Zoom on your day off. There are so many different bills that come through our state legislature in our city councils all the time. And having an RN, an NP, a DNP, PhD, whatever it is behind your name makes a big difference. People listen to nurses and being able to share your professional expertise with a patient's story is powerful. We are the largest healthcare uh, professionals in the country and we have not harnessed our political like strength. And I'm often testifying for bills and there's not another healthcare person. There's not another nurse there. And there's, we have such a unique perspective to share. And so if you're really passionate about homelessness, for example, for me, I do a lot of testifying about how do we improve access to affordable housing? How do we decrease barriers to accessing healthcare and really trying to work on the system, knowing that this is a system problem and not a, individual person problem to really address substance use and poverty and homelessness. It's we have to work our way up the system and address policy. And so, you know, I may not be the first woman president, but I'm certainly moving in the direction of politics and policy because I can see what a difference our lens and expertise as nurses can make in that, in that field. And, And it's so needed. So If you see an injustice, if you see something that is harming your patients and it's a system level issue, be empowered to go and testify against it. I'll also say it's a potent antidote to burnout. Mm. If you are pushing against these inequitable, frustrating systems all the time, and it's not the patients you're stressed out or frustrated, it's these systems, go and advocate, advocate for change. And to work on a system issue, it takes a long time, but it, it yeah. feels energizing to know that you're trying to fix it rather than just seeing the consequences of it day in and day out. And yes. so I really hope folks think about what is the little way that I can get plugged in on the advocacy? Pick that one topic that you're really passionate about and go and testify against a bill or for a bill that could make a change. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because I think it was before we started the podcast, you know, we both kind of mentioned nurses don't understand the amount of power they have. And I don't really think they understand their knowledge base and how special it is because they're surrounded by nurses all the time. But, you know, nationwide, system-wide, that knowledge 
people don't have. And you are in the weeds with these patients. And I'm so glad that you said that, Courtney. And I have to point out here, we've kind of come full circle for you, Courtney. You wanted to be involved in policy and making change. And here you are, you're doing it. And one other thing I'll I'll share is that now that I'm in these spaces with senior leaders in federal government, I'm often the only clinician in the space. I'm often the only nurse. And I'll tell you what, people listen. When you can bring that patient experience from Monday, not just from about 10 years ago. No, my current experience has shown that that policy that you're trying to work on is not going to work or is causing problems. And that makes a really big difference. And so to your point, we, we exist often in silos in nursing. Yeah. If we get outside that silo, it really can affirm your knowledge and expertise that you have so much to give and to share, and it can make a huge difference. I, I do want to I do want to share one other thing that we didn't get to, Erica. Um, yes. I didn't I didn't tie in some of my personal experience, and I think that it is important here. So, growing up, I grew up in the safety net. I experienced poverty as a child. I was on SNAP food benefits and TANF, and I was raised by a single mom, and I was on Section 8 housing. We, I experienced homelessness as a teenager. Yeah. And that experience didn't lead me directly to this work. I worked, started off in the emergency department, but it certainly influenced my perspective because it always, it really helped me to understand that I'm above and below no one. Yeah. And the, the indignity of poverty helps you to realize how challenging it is just to get your basic needs met. And that just because someone's poor doesn't make them a bad person. And so I started my nursing career with that lens of really wanting to help people and got to start really in a non-judgmental space of just seeing these people who are suffering and wanting to help. And so now many years, now 16 years into my nursing journey, I am trying to help fix and work on these systems that I benefited from as a child. And it is, I want to make sure that people don't shy away from your story and how that drives you and drives your passion um, because it makes you better at what you do. You bring that lived expertise to the table. And yes, I have a doctorate and I'm really proud of it, but I'm also really proud of what I've overcome. And that is expertise just as much as the doctorate is. <laughs> and so whatever right. journey and tribulations that you've been through, it makes you a better nurse and yes. harness that and hone that. And if that is driving your passion, pursue that. Yes. I'm so glad that you shared that because I, not only your experience as a nurse, but your personal experience growing up and people, you can tell them all day, but they will never feel what you felt you know, because they didn't live that way, but you have that experience that you can bring to the table, you increase awareness and it adds a little bit of soul to your work, you know, instead of, well, I'm just doing this. It's an interest. No, I've lived this. And I, you know, it just, I don't know, a little more color, a little more flavor, a little more empathy. I would have to imagine. Certainly. Yeah. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on today. I know so many nurses are going to get so much out of this and I appreciate you sharing your story and I really appreciate you being here. It is my pleasure. And if any nurses want to connect and learn more, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to talk to folks if they're contemplating uh, working in this area or anything like it. So I'm, I'm happy to be a resource if I'm able. And how do they get to you specifically if they wanted to? You can email me. Okay. You can share me email. 
Yeah. Okay. I will share your email after the show. Great. Thanks so much, Erica. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Likewise. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at Black Sheep Nurse.